the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. J.K.L. Engineering. Folks, whether it's wintertime, spring, or summer, they'll keep you nice and comfortable in your home. Why not let J.K.L. Engineering let them design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system? Energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. No gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill as by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. Now, J.K.L., is a carrier factory authorized dealer. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Folks, let's face it. Being inside, being comfortable in your home, is there anything more important right now with what we're going through? Call J.K.L. Engineering. Central Air is a game changer for your life. Talk about improving quality of life. Here's what I'm saying. J.K.L., they'll keep you warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. 53 years of experience, their reputation second to none whether you're in rhode island or massachusetts call jkl engineering today estimates are free financing is available for both residential and commercial call my friends at jkl 401-351-7600 remember estimates are free financing is available let's be nice and comfortable in your home jkl 401-351-7600 you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go till 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Our segment is Politics This Week. And with me, he's the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, Mayor Lorza had a uh, big press um, um, gathering of which I was there. And he announced this big process and then a big press release and then a signing ceremony regarding reparations for people of color and indigenous people. Something that also stood out to me was um, they actually did a signing ceremony, which uh, which was unusual because what are you really signing? That's usually reserved for a bill is complete. But he was signing to show the process was going to kick off. And um also want to be clear, we're the first ones in the country that are going to be part of this. What does Justin Katz think of uh, initially Mayor Lorza and his big announcement that he's going to be seeking reparations for people of color and indigenous people? Well, it's it's clearly pretty obviously just cynical politics. I mean, he it, to the point of there's, there, there ought to be red flags about George Orwell, 1984 kind of style. He's calling the initial phase, the collection of truth, which is really pretty, pretty obnoxiously transparent. I mean, there's, there's pretty much no chance, well, I, not pretty much, there's zero chance that any employees of the city doing a collection of truth to understand whether reparations are justified will come to the conclusion that yes, they must be. I mean, you can't even, it's, you can't even imagine the reaction if he were to start this process and then say, oh, well, we found out that there really is no justification for this, so we're not going to do it. So they're going to, the collection of truth is really just to go out and find, make an argument for reparations. And what it, what it does is it, it well, if there's not much money in the city to, to be paying reparations. So what it will do is 
probably drop a big steaming mess in the hands of his successor just saying yes there should be reparations now you figure out how to how to pay for it and meanwhile certainly he's probably going to be on to say running for governor or something with this kind of having grabbed this identity politics uh mantra uh mantle for himself and that's where it really it's just a a divisive terrible way to go about governance i mean as people we've argued about rhode island's role in in racism and slavery and all that uh, if you look at the history rhode island's government is clearly been abolitionist uh, we, they spent years t- trying to find even technicalities to stop john brown from being participating in the slave trade in rhode island uh, so the idea that there's some governmental interest uh, to transfer wealth uh, is there's legally there's very there's no basis for it and so it, that it comes right down to that that cynical divisive terrible politics that just distracts from from how poorly things are being run and the real causes of people suffering today justin when um when i did ask at the press conference how much money are we talking about he immediately dismissed that and the crowd was even uh, kind of vocal you know almost and their their attitude towards me was how could you even ask something like that that's not what we're here for today Excuse me, when you talk about and you announce it as reparations, that that equals money. That's a dollar sign. So I agree with you. And for him to stand there and do the whole signing ceremony and we're going to find the high, they're going to hire people to do this in Providence that has no money. You and I cover the city pretty well. I can think of so many things that are wrong with the city that he should be focusing on as opposed to having a press conference announcing they're going to be looking into possibly giving reparations and you're right as if they're going to come back and uh, say you know it it turns out we're not going to be handing out any money yeah exactly and and well they may do that but only because there's no there's no money to be found uh which like i I said they'll they'll just say okay so the next mayor will have to figure out how to pay for this but you really do deserve it but the idea that they'll come back and say you know we did the research and the city of providence as an entity has really been very good about race relations and so sorry no you we found that you don't deserve anything that's just not going to happen there's no way it could happen and so you know let's skip to to part b or act two where he where the the mayor decrees yes i find that there are um that there there's justification for reparations but if he did that then it would be on him to find the money or explain why something else is more important to fund what do you think also because this is supposedly this has to be based on basically and that is the slave trade uh that that the you know the way it was designed i think it started in 1695 and then i think the state outlawed it uh i read in 1842 that's right but what do you make of the fact they also included indigenous people and suddenly uh i think there were some people from the narragansett indian tribe that were at the press conference i know that there were members of the Narragansett Indian tribe that were at the Black Lives Matter gathering on Saturday. Um, what, what, what is your take on suddenly now they're being like lumped in and also included? Well, that's where it starts to to really break into the idea, the, the sense of uh, just a collection of special interest groups, not, not necessarily in the, even a bad way, but in a, in a way of, you know, the balkanization of, of, the population you're white you're black you're indigenous the indigenous and the blacks are tied together and that's really caustic i mean that's the kind of thing that brings down countries and so to have the mayor out there who is himself a person of color 
saying, you know what, we're going to look into reparations and other white people owe other everybody else money. It, it, it becomes starts to feel like a j- just a an abuse of power where you're you're it's even beyond just the cynical identity politics. You are now saying we have we the, we control the government and we're going to tell you you have to pay for something uh, that somebody did hundreds of years ago. Now, I, I am not originally from Rhode Island. And so the idea that, you know, somebody who moved to Providence yesterday, two, two families, two neighbors moved to Providence yesterday and one's white, one's black or, or another person of color. Does that mean that the brand new white person owes because the city of Providence is somehow uh, indebted to to the people people of color? That new white person owes some his neighbor who just moved here too from say Texas or, or something. Uh, that's uh, it, it. Just boggles the mind that it's even being entertained and that there aren't you know there there's not a a reasonable uh, a, a kind of a silent majority speaking up. Uh, and and taking a reasonable stance on this whole thing. You know what else, um, Justin Katz? And again, folks, our segment is politics this week. Justin is the uh, managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. Something else is when you immediately start this in motion, and I, I've also, by the way, been told that this was being guided, he's being guided by political consultants. He's already looking at his run for governor. He's trying to look at his base. He's trying to build up the base for with uh, with African-Americans, uh, he feels he already has the Latino base, but he wants to try to bring them under the, the tent, so to speak. But once you start talking that way, um, now it's like to me, we're like a traffic cop. Where are you going to direct the mob? Because now you say you are entitled to it. And the people that should pay are and point them in the direction of, let's just say, you know, person A or person B. Now you're you're kind of directing the, the crowd. You are deserved. Uh, and you should have reparations coming to you. These are the people that owe them to you, and they won't pay. Uh, I could see where that could then start to lead to protest outside wherever he points where the people that should be paying are, and suddenly now it becomes this is who we're going to channel this aggression towards. What's your thought on that? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's how you break down. I mean, that's how you, you the, in the Balkan area that or any area where there there are racial or ethnic or identity group factions. That's how it happens. You, the, the politicians generate this sense of it's us versus them. They point to the them. And then you start to have the protests and that breaks down. And, and eventually that gets to war. I, I don't think we'll civil war. I don't think we'll, we'll quite get that far in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, but that's, that is the direction. And it's the cynical game that politicians are playing. It's, it's really, really toxic and ought to be it ought to be a point of criticism, but I, I don't think anybody's, I, I think most of the, the mainstream uh, media and even politicians are kind of afraid to go near this uh, and just say the obvious things about, you know, this, it just doesn't make sense. Or even ask the questions like you did at the press conference, how much is this going to cost? Oh, you can't even ask that. We're not, it's not about the money. It's actually about me building up an army to attack people. Uh, and I, I think that's what we'll see is we'll see you deserve this, and not just those people won't pay, but this politician who's running against me as a lord's a mayor running for governor or whatever. This is the person who's standing in your way, uh, and it does get it, it gets dangerous 
not only for that person who's been targeted, but because at some point we, we've started to see this nationally and we've certainly seen it in other countries, the opposition, the people who are targeted start to take that. OK, well, I guess if we're breaking down into ethnic groups or, or whatever groups, we're, however you want to draw the lines, if we're breaking down into groups, then I guess we're in a group and we ought to start acting like it. And that's where you really get to the dangerous combat almost i mean there's some clips from from a few years ago where it was i think it was antifa versus the proud boys you know he's literally brawls in the street i think on the west coast and that's where you get with this kind of language it's it's entirely irresponsible folks coming up we are going to talk about governor Armando, her decision on the beaches uh also secretary of state nelly gorbia was disappointed with her mail ballot situation it's all ahead politics this week with justin katz Managing Editor, OceanStateCurrent.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers. Maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Attention business owners. In today's world, customers judge you by your website. And for most people, their first introduction to your business or company is your website. Karen Etchells at InnoVest is here to help. Give her a call at 401-321-2799. Hey, now it's 2020. You got to freshen up that old website design that Al Gore invented. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional and she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Right now, I'll bet you could use some extra cash. Why not sell some of your gold, silver, other precious metals? Vero Industries, folks, over 40 years experience, they will give you cash. They'll buy your gold, silver, other precious metals. Call Lee today at 401 401- 434-8900. Leo has over 40 years experience. It's VERO, Vero Industries. They will buy gold, silver, other precious metals, old, broken, new, silverware, jewelry, serving trays, tea, coffee sets, or pieces. 
Listen, why not right now? Sell it and get that cash that you need. Call Leo at Vero Industries, 401-434-8900. Impeccable reputation. Folks, they know the industry better than anyone, and they'll give you what it's worth. Your gold, silver, also a buyer of individual coins, coin collections, watches, half earring pieces, and much more. Call Leo at Vero Industries. Why not get some cash right now for that gold, silver, and other precious metals? Call Leo, 401-434-8900. Weekend evening appointments are available. Two locations or at your location, their location, two locations, East Providence and Warwick. Call them Vero Industries, 401-434-8900. Listen, get cash for that gold, silver, other precious metals you have. Call Leo, 401-434-8900. One more time, 434-8900. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. Justin, Governor Mundo uh, made the announcement at her press briefing that the amount of people at the state beaches, it was bad. There was too much crowding. And so the governor announced that even though it is uh, peak summertime, the parking lots at Musquamacate and also at uh, Scarborough, would only be 25%. Now, I was trying to push back and ask the governor about that because what ended up happening was, um, number one, I just don't think it was well thought out. The governor even said they can go at night because I was trying to make the argument, you know, right, with what's going on? People are not traveling. People worried about their their career, their job. You know, uh, for a lot of people, that could be the the like that's the vacation that they're gonna take day trips to you know the beaches in south county and it also just sets off a chain reaction okay so this lot is full so now i'm going to try to drive around and find another lot and it didn't seem to me like the proper you know her comment of well then they can go at night as if people are going to go to the beach at night never mind think of like a young family uh but then we the problem we saw was over the weekend the beaches were still very crowded. You just had that people were dropped off or they do different type of rides. Um, I know Musquamacate, they're doing price gouging where you could park for like 80 bucks. What did you think of Governor Amundo in saying that because some people weren't behaving at the concessions and so forth and uh, the pavilion that they, uh, the lots within 75% of the parking lots at the state beaches were closed? It's, it's a good indication of, well, first of all, I don't know where she's getting this power from. We're no, this is no longer a crisis situation. We are in, are in emergency. It's, it may be an ongoing crisis, but it's not the kind of emergency immediately the governor has to shut down his beach because there's radioactive material all over it. That's where the governor gets these superpowers. The idea that the, the legislature in its ongoing fashion is just letting her walk around and, and make dic- dictates where she gets up to the microphone and says, my favorite quote of this week was, you guys got to do better. I mean, when the mayor's up there, uh, the governor's up there lecturing the people and making decisions about people's lives on her own (laughs) based on what she thinks is right and wrong, you're just not where you're supposed to be in a democracy. The fact that there's a a new virus that wasn't contemplated in a particular law at some point in the past does not mean the governor automatically gets to grab all this new power. Does this mean every time there's a new virus now, the governor gets to tell the state everybody in the state what they have to do and where it really comes down to uh, a point is that the numbers don't 
justify this. This is not about facts and science. The, the, the numbers of cases, the number of hospitalizations and deaths, they all fell much faster than her phased plan contemplated. So the, we, it wasn't even close. It was, she said, here's what we'll do and we'll go to the next phase. And the numbers blew that out of the water and we, we were all good. Those numbers are pretty steady. They've gone up, edged up a little bit, but not even back to where they would have to be to, to start closing things down again. So this is all her feeling of predictive power to say that, well, you know, if a lot of people are at the beach, I think as the governor, that's going to lead to a surge and therefore I'm going to close the beaches. There's no, there's no real science behind that. There's no trend upward. Uh, and based on that, she's, she's creating situations where, as you say, people, this might be their vacation and now you're going to step on that or at least make it a lot more difficult. Uh, at some point, people stop paying attention to that. And frankly, at this point, they probably should. And that is also, by the way, you know, someone bid to get the concession contract on those state beaches that affects them. You have businesses in and around the beaches that depend on this is it. I mean, if you're not making money right now, July and August, you're not making money. And suddenly they're impacted. And I was there on Saturday. I mean, today at 907, they opened the lot at 830, 907, they closed it, even though 75 percent of the parking lot was open. And and I saw cars full of families and it was not a cloud in the sky on Saturday. It was temperature was over 90 degrees. Like, what are you talking about? Why can't we why can't we go in? We'll sit off way to the left. We won't bother anyone. We won't go to the concession stand. I, I don't I, I it just doesn't make any sense to me. And you're right. You know, it was suddenly just uh, derived that way. Now, do you think, by the way, do you feel think we are going to go to a phase four? We're in, I believe, phase three. Something tells me I, I don't think that there is going to be a phase four. I think um, based on what they're seeing in, in other states and the way, you know, other states are a mess and they're going backwards. Governor Mundo has said, I'm not doing this twice. I don't want to close the economy again. But do you think, Justin, that we are, in fact, going to move to a phase four? Or do you think this is the extent they go? Well, I, even from the initial the initial plan that she laid out with the three phases, it, it, it did have that question mark. You know, you get to phase three and then what? Um, it was kind of the impression was and then at that point, the governor plays everything by ear for until further notice. And that's I think that's probably what we'll see. Um, I, I don't think it's what people should accept. And I don't think it's what the, the General Assembly should allow. But that's that seemed to be her plan all along was we'll get to where we're at this point and then you know however i'm feeling that week is how we'll direct our resources and um so i i yeah i don't think there's ever gonna uh, i'll be surprised if she lays out and describes you know here's what the next phase looks like and that's really problematic because you can't you can't plan you can't do anything if you don't know what the you have no sense of what even the stages might be based on anything. It's just the governor easing a little, pulling back a little. I think at this point, she's, she's probably, you know, last week we talked about how the, it, it almost become, it almost feels as if the idea of the, the people and what's actually right for us or what we want as citizens, that's out the window right now. It's, it's the governor proving to the world that she's the best manager of, COVID-19 and that's so she's got her PR flax out there getting her all kinds of press nationwide of Rhode Island is doing great um, so I, I think right now the target is not your happiness uh, your neighbor's business 
that that's not really the target. The target is is how she low she can keep her stats, and she likes them where they are, and she doesn't want to see them reverse at all. Even if you know, if you were managing your own risks for your own life and your own family, you would you would say, okay, well, let me try to take a little risk here and see what happens. I don't, I don't think she has any stomach for that because she doesn't want to see the numbers go up at all. And that's, that's not a way to run in front of the state. Uh, but I think that's the way she sees it. And that's, that's probably the regime we're going to be living under for the foreseeable future. Justin Katz, what about the headline? 113 Rhode Islanders were told they had COVID-19 when they didn't. So this was, they were tested earlier. Uh, now we are hearing of people waiting much longer for the tests. And something that has happened is, you know, it was one thing that there was rapid testing and the state had testing done rather quickly when the the rest of the country wasn't, you know, really inundated and and, uh, badly affected by the virus. But now with states like Florida and uh, Texas and North Carolina and Georgia's bad and Arizona's bad, suddenly you have people in Rhode Island that are waiting a week. And then you find out that they were 113. Now, that's just that they know of. We're told they had it when they didn't. What is your thought on that? Well, uh, to a large extent, it's not not terribly surprising. I mean, you, you get false positives. You get false negatives. It's just the nature of the nature of the game. Some, somebody makes a mistake and you get a bunch of false results. And in, in the long run, 113 out of something like 25,000 positive tests in the state so far is not and that's counting some people more than once but that's that's less than half a percent so it's not a huge rate of false positives what it does point to is that we're using testing in a way we probably shouldn't it shouldn't be all right we're gonna everybody has to be tested all the time and if you anybody comes back positive whether they have symptoms or not you've got to close down wash everything uh there was a a, a large chain of camps in somewhere in the middle of the country and they had th- they had thousands of campers and 80 something like 80 of them tested positive and i couldn't find a single report of them having anybody having symptoms let alone bad symptoms but they found 80 people and so when you when you're relying on testing to uh, for decisions about who gets to stay open who gets to close um that's where it becomes a problem because if you know if your workplace has a batch of people, and I, th- I think in the news reports there was one nursing home that was in that did have this experience, if you if your batch is the one that goes bad, and your some of your employees come back positive, and you've got to shut down, suddenly you've got a big problem. So, what the testing should be, I, in my opinion, is to to keep track. Of, you know, anybody with symptoms, test them, and other than that, you know, you can have a limited representative sample that tells you whether, in general, things are getting worse or better. That's kind of how you normally manage these sorts of things but we're we're way beyond that where we're we're looking to we're putting a lot of weight on these tests and that's if if you're doing that yeah then a a half a percent failure rate on false positives is a big deal for somebody and i think so i think in my view the, the 113 test false positives that itself isn't a big deal but it does point to our kind of how we should re reevaluate how we're using testing and how we're approaching this whole thing our segment is Politics This Week. He's Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. A lot more ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates 
FHWA Inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110. 24-hour mobile service and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Hi, Steve here, owner of Water Filter Company. Do you know what my customers are not doing today? They're not standing in lines to get into stores to buy bottled water, and they didn't have to scramble to get it either when all this first started. They enjoy all the safe, clean water they want, not during just this crisis, but all year long. Don't you think it's time you did too? So as you're standing in line waiting, how about you give my company a call? Call Water Filter Company at 294-2400, 294-2400, a Rhode Island family business since 1986. This portion of the program brought to you by Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Let's make sure your house and property looks the best it can look. Right now, spring is the time. You can text Jared, free same-day text estimate, 401 617 They have a great Facebook page, Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Let's get rid of that algae mildew that's outside in your home, the side of your home, on your pavement, on your patio. Maybe it's on the basketball court. Bethel Certified Soft Wash. They have a great Facebook page. Jared, the before and after pictures are just incredible. What your home could look like or your garage, your property, with Bethel Certified Soft Wash Power Wash. Now, Jared, he came to our house. Folks, it looks brand new. Get rid of, you know, it just happens. You build up some of that algae and mildew, and maybe sometimes you just have some dirt and grime. Bethel Certified Soft Wash Power Wash, especially now we're spending more time outside. You want your house and property to look the best it can. Jared did a fantastic job. My neighbors are saying, my goodness, Juan, look how beautiful your house looks. It looks so clean. My kids said, Daddy, it's like the house got a bath. They said it did get a bath from Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Text Jared, free same-day text estimate, 401-617-2585. Find them on Facebook. It's Bethel Certified Soft Wash. It's going to make your property, your home, your deck, your walkway any outdoor surface, he can get rid of it. As far as the algae, mildew, gets rid of it with a very safe solution. It's Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Folks, you're listening. This is John DePietro. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. Our segment is Politics This Week. Justin, Secretary of State Nelly Gorbia was uh, pushing for mail ballots all the way through to the fall. And um, she ran into some unexpected opposition. She certainly got her way in the House, but she was very vocal and uh, and taken to social media and uh, very upset at Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, who would would not go along with her plan. They talked about all these wasted ballot applications that were thrown out and and uh, and it's so far ahead. Um, To me, did it strike you that she seemed to be have much more vested? As if there's some other plan here other than just we want to keep people safe and people shouldn't have to, uh, you know, go to the polls to vote. Um, I found she was a, a little she was too upset on the fact that the the mail ballot situation was shot down. 
Yeah, and it's it's not just her. I mean, you've got the ACLU in Rhode Island now threatening to, well, first of all, saying that they'll the the Senate, you know, joining the Secretary of State and criticizing the Senate and asking for ex executive action from the governor and saying they'll go to court if they don't get what they want. Um, that does seem. I mean, we're well outside. Normally, in a a representative democracy, you put in legislation there's debate of different sides and that's where you know that's how we, we balance different different considerations and the idea that the the secretary of state almost can't see that there might be another side i mean it, it starts to feel like uh, a live version of what you what you see on facebook where I, I put up a local post about how yeah tiverton where i live has has more cases than the other towns around us, but the numbers are so small. It's not, you know, it's, it's a need for caution, not a need for panic and, and living in fear. And I was attacked even for saying that much. You're not even allowed to say you shouldn't be living in fear. Um, and so that there's, to some extent, I think her, her response is that kind of attitude. Well, if you don't, if you don't do everything, uh, then you're, you might as well be doing nothing. But on the other hand, it is, I mean, she wants, she wants everybody to get a mail ballot and for there to be no, witnesses no notary publics to, right. to sign off on the, the documents i mean that that is a huge invitation for fraud ah. um and and even beyond fraud i even if there's some level of consent the ballot harvesting that we've been talking about for years yeah. where campaigns are hiring people they tell them they could be they make they help them become notary publics they just go out and collect votes now take away the need for for witnesses and notary publics and the, it's open season for that for people just going out and hey did you get your mail ballot did you send it in here i'll help you with it here's how you should vote i mean you, you're just you're opening up a huge can of worms there and part of me wonders if the senate now normally you would think the insiders would would be okay with that because they've got the resources as you know, the famous case of, of mattiello winning against steve frias with mail ballots you would think the insiders would be all for that, but you're starting to, you, a lot of the money in Rhode Island and the organizational power is coming from progressives. Uh, and so there may be some concern among incumbents that if they open up this floodgate, it's just a matter of, of out of state progressives coming in with money and power and boom, you, you collect a certain number of ballots. Um, and it's particularly on the left because a lot of their interest groups, you know, you, the young are always far left, but they, they're often, not very responsible about going out and voting uh so that starts to cure that you could have you know you, you see around the country uh young people having kind of irresponsible COVID 19 parties where everybody goes and doesn't wear a mask you could see them having ballot harvesting parties where you just bring your mail ballot sign it and hand it to somebody and at your admission to the party or something like that you start to open up those doors and you start to lose really any semblance of of civic responsibility and so i think it's ridiculous uh, but I think there are probably a lot of uh, there are a lot of special interest groups behind pressuring the Secretary of State, uh, and uh, to the extent that she's asking, well, at least we're hearing hints that she's asking the governor to to just say, well, the legislation didn't work, so I'm going to do an executive order instead. That would be really unprecedented, as House Republican Ryan Newberry said, and very very dangerous uh, for our democracy. I'd be surprised only because I don't believe her and Gorbia are on the same page. Uh, at least that's what we're told. But I, I think uh, you're exactly right. And the ballot harvesting, Justin, I, I wish people would understand that. And you never hear, 
hear anyone bring out the fact that no one's ever been, no one has ever, um, and I, I got this straight from the Board of Elections, in the last 25 years, no one has ever been prosecuted for filling out uh, the form that says, you know, penalty of perjury, which is a felony. You have to sign that that says that you are a resident of Rhode Island and, and also a resident of the United States. Not one person in 25 years has ever been prosecuted for that. Now, you and I both know there are definitely people at the very least that maybe work in Mass in Rhode Island, but they live in Massachusetts. So they sign that, yes, I live at whatever the address is where the business is, right? Like, uh, you know, 16 Main Street. And But the problem is, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. It's as simple as that. You know, it's like, as I've said, it's like a road where they say that in the, you know, the last 10 years, no one has gotten a speeding ticket on the road. That doesn't mean people are going the speeding limit. That That tells me that there's no one out there looking for people that are speeding on that road. That's what right, that and is. It's, it's, it's completely risk-free because, as you say, nobody's looking. I mean, you've got no. Ken Block out there and raised money just from in his own interest to, to do some research, and he found thousands of dead people on the rolls, one of whom apparently voted duplicate duplicate registrations where one person or a couple of people appear to have voted twice. Now those are, you know, the, the people who want more, more access to vote, however, will say, well, that's just a couple of flukes, all that research. And you found two big deal. Um, but th that's really very much, very likely to be the tip of the iceberg. And the, the fact is there is no, there's no search and there's no prosecution, even down to, I, I pay a lot of attention to, uh, especially locally, the people who sign different petitions uh and you'll very often find two people with a very with the same last name the, their names are just their signatures are really just squiggles uh and right. neither neither of them will compare to the ones on the, on the uh in the roles so they're they're obviously not the signatures or, or pretty clearly not and what happens they just get rejected so you get an extra two signatures and those two are fine so if you know as long as as long as you get extra you're, you're good the, Nobody ever is prosecuted for whatever it would be, perjury, forgery. Um, so there's no risk to doing that. You know, all right, you want to be on this? Let me squiggle your name. There you go. And normally it's probably, you know, somebody on a phone like, oh, I can't get down to sign it. Could you just sign my name? But there's no risk to it. And so when if everybody has a mail ballot, it, it would have to be under if, if we had a situation where the secretary of state and the board of elections regularly were prosecuting people making examples of them, putting them, you know, major fines or even jail time for, for cheating. The, then maybe you say, all right, we've got protections. But right now it's just, you know, oh, there's no evidence of fraud here. Let's give everybody a mail ballot and take away all the controls on signatures. That's really just, uh, nobody, nobody should have any faith in a, an election that, that results from that sort of a process. You know, you're exactly right. And also, just finally on this matter, I, um, I've spoke with someone who worked on, it was uh, several years ago when they're giving out like the free IDs for those people that didn't have an ID. And it really begins, uh, just against with the register to vote. This person told me that if they encountered 1,000 people, then 1,000 people registered to vote. No one was rejected. So it begins there. That's really where the investigation because because once you're on the voter roll and they've accepted that now you are, quote, registered to vote, even though there could be several reasons why you should not be registered to vote, primarily also you're not a citizen, you don't live in the state, uh, maybe you lived here and then moved, they still have your information. 
But I, I do believe when they say here's the ballot from, you know, Joe Smith, although it's not that, who lives at uh, 15 Chalkstone Avenue. See, you know, here's his ballot. I, I do believe he's registered to vote, but Joe Smith never should have been registered to vote. And because anyone who is living in the country illegally, they register them to vote because there's no mechanism to to, uh, to check it. And the ballot harvesting, if that was outlawed, Justin, it would really, really change the situation with um, with the, the polls and who's registered to vote. What do you make of um, – do you think – what is your thought on the back to school? Now, you know, they, they, all the school districts had to submit their plans. The Certainly the Providence Teacher Union are already sending signals that they have no intention of going back in the classrooms. You are starting to hear that from different teachers. There was a high-profile teacher in Texas that – she, you know, had the press watch her make out her will as she's getting ready to go back in the classroom. Do you think, um, what, do you think, I, will the kids be back in school in, for uh, August 31st? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, there's so many just raw emotions out there. Uh, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, uh, with, with respect to the unions, I mean, part of the union's role is to protect their members' interests. And it's, it's, you, you really can't deny that large numbers of teachers are scared of going back. So it's, you would expect the union to get involved. On the other hand, you know, there's, there is a lot of, I think what we're seeing is a, a problem. The problem you get when you've got a system that doesn't allow people to come to their own conclusions. That is there, there's no real choice in the matter. Um, there's the, the classic, the, the, thing that really sums everything up to me was a I think it was on MSNBC and the clips going around on, on social media where the reporter asked a bunch of pediatricians would you send your kids back to school and every single one of them said yes definitely and at the end they came back to the anchor from MSNBC and his face was just really long he was just shocked they oh they all said yes so I, I think that's we're, we're in a situation where really children are not at risk there's there's no evidence of children getting it it seems or, or having really terrible repercussions from this uh, there's more risk for the teachers yes um if, especially if they're older and they're they've got some comorbidities or other other problems um so it, it is a real decision and people really do have different opinions about it and the problem is we shove them all into this one system that's operated under huge restrictions from state federal government and local government under a union system where you get this powerful some of the most powerful political organizations in the world um taking the side of, of employees you, you, you can't operate an education system that way because you don't whoever's the loudest voice and has the most power wins and so i think what we'll see is a probably more people starting to look for private options. A lot of people saying, look, if I'm homeschooling, you know, I'm just not going to bother. Uh, and so in the meantime, people, taxpayers are starting to wonder, well, if we're not getting the services we're paying for, why are we paying for them? Um, <clears throat> so it's an area where I, th I think it's really just highlighting the, the mess we've made of education and, and the way we're trying to, to make it do things and act in a way it really shouldn't act. You know, I agree with you, and it, 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 I just think I don't know what the answer is. There are valid concerns. If you are an adult, there is a chance you could then get it from one of uh, one of the students or just one of the teachers. And I also, it, it does seem to unfortunately become like an either or. Like it's either they're going to be back in school or there's going to be distance learning. I'm a little surprised, Justin Katz, that, that someone hasn't come up with something maybe a little more 
you know, innovative, such as we're going to, we know that the virus has trouble outside and that it dissipates when it's outside. So I don't know why you don't hear a district saying we're going to set up more tents outside. And and some classes, when they come, we're going to be able to teach the kids that they're going to be outside in the tent. Or if they have somewhere on the school property that it might be able to have the class outside. I recognize for younger kids, it's a problem. For certain age groups, it could be a problem. But the more that you could have the kids together in some sense of a class, I think it's it's a positive. But I, I will admit, it's it's not people's imagination that it, there is a risk involved. And, you know, if someone said that the risk is one in 300 when it comes to children, do you, do you want to be the parent of the child that, that, that is that one that ends up uh, getting it and then something happens? Speaking of um, just the whole uh, debate that's been going on and there's so many uh, political differences, Justin, wh- where do you stand or what do you think on the how this has become a mask versus the no mask and and I, I'm trying to figure out, I don't know why this broke down along political lines, but, um, you know, it is true that you have some people that are the absolutely I'm not wearing a mask. And then they're having problems with, you know, stores that won't let them in. And uh, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm uh, perplexed as to when did this become like a, a political divide of masks or no masks? I'm with you on that. I uh, so much of this. I I just don't understand why we can't have. You see other sides, even on something as as like wearing a mask, and why why everything has to be, has become this amped up fight and battle. Where if you wear a mask, you're a sheeple. If you don't wear a mask, you're you're irresponsible and want to people to die. I mean, they're they're legitimate. Everybody is in different circumstances, and there are legitimate points to all of it. Uh, and so it's it's just it's amazing to me that we've gotten to this point. Uh, I mean. Granted, we did spend about three years uh, on the edge of a, edge, edge of our seats about a phony uh, Russian collusion story. So we're, we're really, I, I think the the political elite uh, has, and in media especially, has really brought us to this place where something as basic as as mask wearing, and I, I think it's a, some of it though is a consequence of big government. I mean, we did early on. It's you it'd be reasonable to suggest that the medical establishment and the political establishment really just lied to people and said, oh, masks don't do anything. And they were saying that because they needed to preserve them for people in emergency situations or people who were, then they were selling out everywhere you couldn't get them. So they were, they had to get people to stop going out and hoarding them. Uh, But the response was to lie and say, oh, they don't do anything anyway. They're not going to protect you. And so that, at that point, you, you really just get into, uh, where no, nobody really trusts anything, and so what they fall back on is is their other beliefs and their their, their other affiliations and, and the side that they're on. So I, I mean, the, realistically, a, a mask will do something. Putting something over your face will do something. Maybe not what you want. Maybe not. It's not a license to go out and and you know hug people with with symptoms of COVID nineteen. Uh, but you know, it's, it's really up to everybody. Kind of the to figure out their own, their own tolerance. I mean, if you've, if you're in a position where you can stay six feet, feet apart, you want to take the masks off, then, you know, that's okay. Go for it. It's your risk to take. Uh, we've completely lost that 
idea. And it goes back even to the to the the beaches and all that. You know, is it are we really just trying? Are we is government our way to kind of make sure we can all live together and make our own decisions as sovereign people, or are we really just subjects who are supposed to follow the rules of the experts and the people who who are in power? And I think that. I, that's where I think the mask thing, like everything else, just comes down to a really a basic binary difference of opinion about the kind of world we ought to live in. And that it's really a shame because we there, there's plenty of room to allow people to wear masks or not to wear masks. I mean, just, there's just it, the idea that we can't we can't allow people even that level of of difference uh, is really an indictment of our, our political the political world and our, our news media, I think. Folks, he's the managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. He's Justin Katz. Justin, great job. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. AE Mazika Insurance Services. Call today. Free consultation. It's Scott and Alex, 401-353-9300. Folks, AE Mazika Insurance Services, located 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. But you can call. Free consultation, 401 401- Three five three ninety three hundred. They're licensed Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Florida. It's very simple. They're going to help you and your family save money. And maybe it's on your home insurance or life insurance, business insurance, auto insurance, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Look for them on Facebook. They also have a great website. It's aemazika.com. Call them at 401-353-9300. What about if you save $200 a month? It's like giving yourself a raise. How about that? An extra $2,500 a year, maybe even more. And also, this time of year, make sure you're covered. Maybe it's for your motorcycle or your boat or jet skis or an RV, an off-road vehicle. A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Call them today, 353-9300-401-353-9300. Let them help you save money. It all starts with one phone call. A.E. Mazika Insurance Services, 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. Why not? Let them help you save money. Give yourself a raise. 401-353-9300. Look for them on Facebook and their website is aemazika.com. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. You want to stay as healthy as you possibly can. And one of the ways you can do that is if you stop in and see my friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305-3585, 305-3585. Stop in at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. I'll bet you've driven past that old church many different times. Now is your chance to stop in. And what are you going to find? Well, Marie is so incredible. It's my health. It helps you with your health, your family's health. Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like a kai berry, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. And it's my health. 
at 1099 Menon Road in Cumberland, you're going to find over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. And folks, Marie is so knowledgeable. These are all natural ingredients you want to put when you're uh, put involved as ingredients when you're cooking and it's so healthy for you and your family, plus hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use. They have vitamins for children. They're going to keep you healthy. It's my health. Stop it and see Marie. Pop by 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305-3585. What an incredible store, incredible selection. She is so knowledgeable. Just pop in, swing in. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. Remember now. Providence and North of Providence. I want you to try the 99.9 FM. 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website. Visit it to petro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Right on the top on the left-hand side, you'll see where it says Listen Live. Just click on that. Anywhere in the world, you can listen while we're live on the air. And then right below that on the dashboard at the website, you'll see where it says Radio Show. If you ever miss any part of the show, you just click on radio show, and folks, boom, there it is. You can pull it up. It's all in library fashion. And remember, the uh, Facebook Live is very, very popular. Check out the Facebook page. It's John DePietro Show on Facebook. And then you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and also on YouTube. Again, it's all under John DePietro Show. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401 431 2300 MEGA MEGA Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies? You can depend on MEGA MEGA Logistics. Call them today 401 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company, maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300.